In a laboratory in Palmerston North, four cows in four box chambers are doing their bit to save the planet. It's science fiction type stuff. There's pipes coming out that sample the gas that's coming out. So basically, there's all these machines hooked up to them and um, those machines are constantly measuring the oxygen, the carbon dioxide, the methane. Another project is using seaweed as a way of getting earth-warming methane out of our cows. Nelson scientists are attempting to turn a native seaweed into a burp-free cow feed. And here's a wacky one, toilet training cows. Mulu! Behavioural scientists have already successfully toilet trained 11 out of 16 cows to use it. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today on The Detail, millions of dollars is being spent on finding ways to get cows and sheep to produce less gas. So why is methane so bad? Here's farmer and academic Jacqueline Roweth. Methane is made from carbon and hydrogen and it is a gas that arises any time you have organic matter breaking down without oxygen around. So in any anaerobic environment. So it could be under the soil, it can be, well, we get a lot of methane associated with fossil fuels. Any swamps have create methane because it's underwater and the same thing happens in the rumen, part, which is one of the chambers of the stomach. We're trying to use in the, an analogy for humans. So it's part of the digestive system and there isn't any oxygen there. Mm-hmm. So what when, as the carbohydrate from the grass is broken down in the rumen, so we're releasing the energy because that's what the animal, well, the bugs actually want, then the methane is um, it's what happens to the carbon. And that methane in the uh, atmosphere traps heat because it has a different wavelength from carbon dioxide that's also in the atmosphere. And will these schemes do enough to get New Zealand farms to the targets? By 2030, biogenic methane emissions should be cut by 10% on 2017 levels. By 2050, the goal is for methane emissions to be 24 to 47% lower than they were in 2017. So the pressure is on. Well, back now to the IPCC and its code red for the planet. This UN-sanctioned body report states cutting methane from livestock is essential to tackling the climate crisis. Because methane has a, a, a much shorter residence time in the air, if we started to cut methane emissions quickly, we would, we would see the effect of that on the methane levels in the atmosphere very rapidly. And so by reducing those levels, we could have a, a benefit to um, offsetting some of that warming. Farmers argue that New Zealand's sheep and cows are the lowest methane emitters in the world, but nearly half our total greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture, mostly farm animals. Here's Climate Change Commissioner Rod Carr. We believe that through land use change, through the adoption of known breeding practices and feeding practices, that we can expect with support for New Zealand agriculture to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions in line with targets by 2030 and uh, in line with our lower end of our target by 2050.
So let's look at some of the methane cutting projects going on. Jason Archer is a genetics specialist at Beef and Lamb Genetics, and he's working on a seven-year, $16.7 million project that's partly government-funded. The aim is to breed beef cattle that are more profitable and with better animal welfare. And there's a target of 10% less methane per kilogram of meat. So we haven't done a whole lot of research in um, the genetics of methane efficiency in, in cattle yet. The majority of that research um, is done in New Zealand is looking at methane efficiency in sheep. So in cattle, we're trying to then follow what's been done in sheep and try and see whether we can do the same sort of things. And you know, we're reasonably confident that we should be able to. In sheep, we have been able to show, and when I say we, it's mainly the team at, at AgResearch, who have shown that actually we can breed for lower methane sheep. And the strategy is to take a few thousand animals and to measure them for methane, and then to use genomic technology where we um, look at the gene markers in animals and try and find combinations that predict better methane performance. And then we can use that genomics to select animals which have better methane genes in them. So that's the strategy in sheep. In cattle, we want to do broadly the same thing. But the really, the really difficult part is how do we measure the trait? So uh, the gold standard of measuring the trait is to put animals in what's called a, um, a respiration chamber um, for, for some days to measure the gases that they're producing essentially. There's four of those metabolic chambers in New Zealand and um, there's no way we can measure the numbers of animals that we require, but it's still useful to have that real gold standard that we can calibrate. Mm. What, what do they so, look like, these chambers? Oh, they, they are basically big boxes, I guess, that, are, that you can put animals in um, with animal ethics approval, I, I might add. They're self-contained in terms of the years and there's pipes coming out that sample the gas that's coming out, yeah, trying to look at what's being produced by the animal that's, that's inside this, this chamber. Right, okay. So that's, really, that's really intensive. It's suited to um, very intensive research, um, but it's not suited to doing large numbers of animals. Did you say that there are four of these chambers here in New Zealand? There's four that are suitable for cattle. There's more, more suitable for sheep. Yeah. Um, and they're located at, um, at Ag Research's Grassland Campus, which is um, in Palmerston North. There's one cow in each of these four chambers. One animal at a time, yeah. So that's the highly specialised, that's, you know, that's for doing real detailed scientific studies. But for genetics, we need to be able to measure a lot more animals than, than that. Um, to look at the inheritance patterns and all that sort of thing. So there are a bunch of other ways of measuring methane. And probably the more practical way in cattle is to have a machine that does a similar thing, and it's called a greenfields machine. It gives a, a small amount of very palatable feed on offer to an animal to attract it to um, come and eat from this machine. And basically when the animal is eating, it's putting its nose into a semi-enclosed trough and the machine sniffs the gas that's coming out of out of the animal's breath as the animal's eating that that feed. And and if and it's been shown that if we can get six or more of those sniff events per day, that actually we can get a reasonable estimate of the methane being produced. That's still a very intensive exercise. And um, while we can do it on more animals, it's 
still takes animals in confinement in a pen of 10 animals or so to, to one machine. Mm. And so that's the next standard as to how, how we can do it. And that standard is now being applied by um, LIC and CRV, who are two dairy, dairy cattle breeding companies. And they are using that measurement technology to measure all their bulls that might then go on and become AI sires in the industry, artificial insemination sires. So again, we can do some animals through that, but we still need to be able to do more animals. So what we really want to do is find a proxy measure that's a good indicator of, of methane, um, but that's much easier to do or much more practical to do on, on a large number of animals because we're going to need probably four or 5,000 animal measurements just to get started. And so we'll be looking for a proxy. The, probably the most promising one from a cattle from a beef cattle point of view is to look at rumen samples so what we do is we basically um, take a sample of the rumen fluid in the animal and it's just done by a, a stomach tube it's less than two minutes all up to get some fluid out of the rumen and so that fluid in the rumen is packed full of microbes that um, bacteria and protozoa and, and other things and they're actually um, the organisms that determine how much methane is produced are actually the methane-producing organisms in there. So with a sample of that, we can actually uh, extract all the DNA from that and get a, a pattern or a profile um, from different animals. And this has been done in sheep. It's, it's been worked on by AgriSearch in, in sheep. And what they're finding is that by looking at the DNA from the super microbes, that they can start to predict which animals that these samples have come from are tending to be better for methane or worse for methane. Is that the, the method that you're looking at? Well, it's, it's the method that we think might provide some promise, but we haven't actually started any of this work yet. We're just at the, at the point of saying um, which are the methods that probably look most promising. And from a practicality point of view, um, if that worked, it would be great. You know, we really are square one. Jason, why why is it that sheep and dairy cows are so much further ahead in terms of this research? There's a good reason for why sheep is, and that is because they're much more manageable in terms of this sort of research, you know, putting animals in chambers, etc. So you can do much more with, with greater numbers and do it, do it more quickly. The model animal, I suppose. Dairy cattle um, a little bit further ahead than beef cattle, and essentially, you know, the, the dairy industry is five times the size of the beef industry in terms of animal numbers, but also larger revenue. So it's the natural choice is the next cab off the rank, but, you know, we want beef to follow quickly as well. This is a long... This is this project is over several years. This stuff all takes time. Yeah, of course. Do you have any idea now how long it will be before it's going to be on the farms that we're going to see a difference? It's, it's a hard um, thing to say because uh, we've got to do the research first and then we've got to actually get people to use that research and adopt it. But I would like to think that within um, certainly within a 10-year time frame we can, we can have um, information out there which is actively being used and actually really making a difference um, in terms of our bull selections on farms. And, of course, then those bulls, they go on, they, go on, they breed and they have, um, calves and those calves then grow into cows and so so there is quite a delay in doing this uh, which is why you know the sooner we start the sooner we get there. There's another reason for this big push to reduce farm animals footprints 
and that's the consumer. Whether an individual believes in methane emissions and climate change has almost become irrelevant now because the high-value markets that we want to, to target are increasingly asking difficult questions around our production systems, both in terms of climate change but also in terms of animal welfare and all those sort of things. We need to um, respond to those questions and um, take a proactive stance around these, around these issues. Are they specifically saying how much methane do, do your cows produce? I don't know whether they're specifically saying that at the moment, but you know, in that methane type of area, there are people who believe that, um, that you know, meat production is harmful to the environment from a methane perspective. So we need to address that by, by being responsible for that. Um, I was just talking with someone the other day who had just come back from United Kingdom and she was saying that actually they've moved way past just reading a, a, a label on a packet saying this product is good for the environment. People she was associating with over there, they're act- actively going on the internet, they're looking up the papers, the science papers even, and really doing the research for themselves. So we're in an age where we need to be honest and transparent, but also actively addressing these, these issues. I know that New Zealand farm animals have a much smaller footprint than other parts of the world, but in terms of this kind of research and advancements in this area, where does New Zealand stand? Oh, I think in general New Zealand's been at the forefront of greenhouse gas research and there's been a large effort probably for the last 15 years there's a greenhouse gas research centre, research consortium um, located in Palmerston North that's been leading the charge. Why has New Zealand sort of led the world in that area? Well, it's, it's essentially because it's probably a bigger problem for us than it is for other people in terms of the makeup of our economy, essentially, and also the makeup of our other energy sources. One of the keys to getting farmers to those methane reduction goals by 2030 and 2050 could be in a quarter of a teaspoon of feed additive per day. Here's Jacqueline Roweth again. We're really, we're trying to, to look at the animals themselves. Mm. Then we see what are they eating? Are there plants or pasture mixtures with low greenhouse gas traits? And then, of course, we've been doing work on the actual when you graze the pasture for highest quality, oh gosh, since the 1930s. Then we look at the rumen, that chamber of the, of what we'd call the stomach, where the bugs are working, because it's actually the bugs that are the forefront of the feed conversion. And some of those are not bugs we like. Some of, the, some of those bugs are the ones that create the methane. Can we inhibit them? in some way and certainly there is um, good research going on in that area. Initially we thought vaccines would work and we're all familiar now with vaccines uh, to do with COVID but in fact it seems like the inhibitors, the feed additives might be more effective more quickly. Vaccines, what you mean a vaccination against emitting methane? Stopping some of the bugs that do it the same way that you have a vaccination against COVID can we do the same for vaccinating against the um, problems in the rumen? That isn't going as well as people had hoped. So vaccines were looked at, but it's the feed additives that are more promising. And Fonterra's doing some work with uh, some of the big companies, particularly DSM. It's a Dutch one. They have a product called Bovair, 
And a quarter teaspoon per cow per day can actually reduce methane by quite a lot. They think probably 30% for dairy cows. It might be higher for beef cows. In Australia, they've got something like a 90% reduction. So what is in that additive? Bovaya has it um, under registered trademark. So magic. (laughs) (laughs) But it is very promising. Now, the problem for New Zealand is the fact that dairy cows are out on pasture. Over in the Netherlands, they're inside, they're, um, they come through the milking parlour and twice a day, sometimes three, they can easily be given a bit to eat while they're eating their total, their rations effectively. Whereas in New Zealand, they're out on pasture, they come into the milking shed and they've gone again, how are you actually going to get this feed additive into them? And that's some of the work that is being done with Fonterra. The other point is here they're eating mostly grass. Over in other countries, they aren't eating mostly grass, they're eating mostly grain. So it's, you know, it's a unique challenge. Are they looking at things like sprinkling it on the grass or putting it into feed (laughs) while they're in the milking shed or something like that? Those well, are my two most, amazing ideas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They're looking at all sorts of ways of delivering it. I think it would be a bit expensive to just haphazardly sprinkle it around on the grass. And the challenge for most dairy sheds in New Zealand is that they don't have feeding systems. Now, an increasing number do have feed pads or shelters where they're fed. And so that's the sort of thing. Can we incorporate it? into that sort of material so we're a bit more clear about the amount they're getting. Would that alone, that product, be a major breakthrough then? Well it is proving to be for other places in the world and if it could be enabled to work here it would certainly help us get to the first goal and a long way towards the second one because remember methane in New Zealand's split gas approach methane does not have to go to zero but the quicker we can get it down then the more the more rapid because methane is a relatively short-lived gas the more rapid our reductions overall we are on track through these different programs because of the breeding i think and because of the more efficient but um more efficient cows the more efficient feeding and precision agriculture. See, there's another thing that we're doing that we haven't talked about. And precision agriculture is really uh, targeting exactly what you need, where you need it, at the right rate or whatever. And so it absolutely applies to, for instance, fertilizer and irrigation. But fertilizer, because fertilizer is one of the causes of nitrous oxides, which is an, another greenhouse gas associated with biology, farms in particular Mm. um, but a bit of horticulture because of fertilizer use so can we reduce our fertilizer use now the government has said put a cap of 190 kgs of synthetic nitrogen because of water quality but actually it will have some effect on um, greenhouse gases as well we're trying everything Sharon I think that's a really good point to be looking for the low emitting animals with the greenhouse gases, certainly playing around with the diets, but maintaining high pasture quality so that we can maintain milk and meat yields, enable the genetic potential of our animals with low wastage, really. 
So you, you're confident that you'll reach that goal by 2030? We're on track. And when you We're say... on track unless something weird happens, yeah. So if we want to get rid of methane, which is a form of energy, yeah, if we want to get rid of methane, then it is actually not just on farm. It's also to do with um, fugitive methane in fossil fuel. It's also to do with landfill. But it's also to do with the processes. So when we are looking at any of the um, effluent tanks, which might be to do with the meat processes, for instance, mm. it might be to do simply with the farm. What can we do to stop methane from those areas? And uh, one of the um, processes, Greenleaf, for instance, puts all the effluent into a capped, or a, a rubber-sealed effluent pit, a great lake sort of, a pond, pond would be a better description, and it flares off the methane. And at some point, if New Zealand actually gets big enough with its number of people or with its dairy herds, we should be able to capture that methane and actually use it for energy within the, for instance, the dairy shed. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded by NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Alexia Russell produced this episode. Jeremy Ansell engineered it. And thanks to Jacqueline Roweth and Jason Archer, who gets the last word for explaining this complicated stuff to a simple town girl. I hope it comes out all right. It's, it's a challenging enough for a rural audience to translate science into real language. When, as a scientist, you get trained to speak yeah. in science jargon. Yeah. But no, then to take to a city audience. A city audience. Another challenge again. <laughs> um, a non-rural audience, I should say. Yes. Well, I have to say, you've done a great job. 